0: Hi, and welcome to Figure of Speech, a program from WRBH, where every week you can meet local poets and writers from the New Orleans community and listen to them share their work. This week, we welcome on poet Sky Jackson, who was born and raised here in New Orleans. She holds degrees from LSU and Mississippi College School of Law and she is an MFA candidate in poetry at the University of New Orleans Creative Writing Workshop, where she currently serves as an associate poetry editor of Bayou Magazine. She also co-edited The Portable Boog Reader, an instant anthology of poetry based in New York City, with a focus on New Orleans writers. Her work has appeared in the Delta Literary Journal and Thought Catalog. Her prize-winning chapbook, A Faster Grave, was published in May 2019 by Antenna Press, she has taught at the New Orleans Center for Creative Arts and currently teaches at the University of New Orleans. Take a listen.
1: Hello, my name is Sky Jackson. I was born and raised here in New Orleans. As a high school student, I attended NOCA and eventually went on to graduate from LSU and law school at Mississippi College School of Law. Uh, I currently attend the Creative Writing Workshop at the University of New Orleans. I've been writing poetry since I was 14 years old. Uh, It has become a huge part of my life and growth as a writer and as a person. This past spring, my first chapbook was released from Antenna Press. I collaborated with a local artist, Santos Calavera, to present a collection of poetry that represents a very unique time in my life as a millennial trying to navigate the challenges of love, family, and social media in our current world. I'll be reading you some of those poems today to start with. The first one is called To Paint a Tree. When your mother asks your ex-boyfriend to paint a tree in the foyer of your childhood home, you approach the situation with a mild sort of trepidation but excitement. You wonder what you will feel as he stands on your bricked doorstep once more. Not to see you, but to plant something with paint on the walls. What will he think to walk in and find that everything has changed? The wooden stairs faded, the small dog aged, and me, back home, hair short and messily locked with circular-rimmed glasses instead of the square he'd known before. He sets down splotched trays and tubes of paint, a ladder to climb up the walls, and he draws some branches, and I remember his arms around me. He sketches the thick of a trunk, and I think of a tree uptown that once shaded us. Some brown paint here, a fleck of grayish blue there to show new growth of fungus on the branches. Life, as always, must find a way. I'll stand on the top step where you once pulled me down with the stickiest of summer kisses and watch you paint below. This next poem is called Just Finish Your Eggs. There is nothing quite like watching the clouds through your white windows. I woke up slowly and found your lips against my arm. How could you fall asleep still holding me? In the morning, it rained for such a while. I lingered in bed listening to the droplets and your steady breaths. We ate loquats and grapefruit. You chide me because I never finish my eggs. I watch you hang up new drapes. A hummingbird flutters behind the glass. This one is called Hang Yourself, Little Flower. I told him that I'd love to be those purple flowers wilting over his doorway, and that I'd like to dangle above his head for a while. Then he said, hang yourself there until the gardener comes, then go find roots over another door. This poem is called The Last Supper. For the last supper He served me wine that he snuck into the States on a flight from Madrid. Then a fish, cloudy-eyed and gutted just so. There was also asparagus, glistened with pepper and oil. I opened my mouth to take the poison down. This piece is called the loving blood. Why did you cry in your sleep, guapita? I dreamt of her again last night. Who? That girl you wished for on the moon as you held my hand in the desert. Quiet and wild, she used a little spoon to carve out that spot inside you that I could not. One night... She stood outside of your white windows. She watched me sighing in your little bed. I heard her feet crush the fall leaves, saw her eyes gleam through the glass. Her voice came together in a whisper. She called for you in the dawn. I saw you barefoot with her, dancing. I heard her calling you home. This poem is called Just Another Scar in the Sky. Tonight, I am hiding behind the collar of your blue shirt because it is warm there and I like to watch the world from the slope of your shoulders. You are so soft behind your ears. That night, in my little apartment, surrounded by dimly lit candles, we... Spoke of love as though we were two hardened soldiers destroyed by that sweet and uncertain war. I will watch you thaw and I will kiss your scars until I become yet just another one added to your skin. This poem is called The Depths. On certain nights in Venice, you can find a girl in the bath with a boy. She lifts up a long brown leg and asks him, can you tell me something beautiful? Can you tell me something true? Then he purrs that she is beautiful and he purrs that she is true as he pulls her close in the water. This poem is called A Coffee with B. Last night, Beyonce and I met for coffee. It was real late. I sipped on my matcha latte and we talked about our light-skinned mamas and how daddies can really mess you up sometimes. I told her I was mad. B, why is so much expected of the artist? You shouldn't have to talk about black people if you don't want to. Maybe you want to sing about squidfish or climate change or the fact that nobody actually talks face-to-face anymore. Beyoncé drank her macchiato and listened to me closely, she said. Most of the time, I sing about my cats. And people think what they want. People see what they want. My cat can be your squidfish. I'm fine with that, she said. This poem is called, Say My Name. How do I keep you always? Hold my name on your tongue like the cat holds a purr in her throat. I've never met a boy who said my name enough to keep me. Song of Sky, chapter 8, verses 16 through 18. And this will be the last poem that I read from my chapbook. At the Edge. I have whispered into your ears so many times. Now I fear that this will be the last time I see you. I close my eyes and there you are at the edge of the tub, drawing me a hot bath. And moments later, kissing my knees pointed up through the water. Or that night we outdanced the dawn, our bodies hung ragged under red lights. Or when you spoke to me so softly about your mother and watching her hands as she cooked for you, I opened my eyes, hoping to find you in a place outside of my dreams. So those were some poems from my recently published chat book, A Faster Grave. You can order it at antenna.works.com. And yeah, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed hearing some of those, some of those poems. Next, I'm going to read some poems that I wrote over the summer. I, when I took my chat book on a book tour so I started in New Orleans and went to Austin, El Paso, Phoenix, Los Angeles, Albuquerque and eventually on to Berlin and Paris as well. So I was able to gather so many different experiences and meet so many wonderful people on this tour and uh, I guess I want to share with you some of the the poems that that really stood out to me and that I I crafted when I was in these places. So the first one is called Currency, and I wrote this in Paris. In Paris, everything feels like a movie. Even the violence is cinematic. Devolving in hot summer, shoes fly through the sticky air, tables launched like rockets, blood-spattered shirts scream, witness this revolution. And as I watch in horror, Four men project themselves at one another, the blood on their teeth glistening in the midday sun, a rush of black skin against black skin in the most physical war I've ever seen, up close, that is. And all this at the entrance of the train. I think, wow, this is just like New Orleans. And my boyfriend laughs, says, yeah, Except there, they'd all have guns, and right now the news would spread of how at least eight or more are dead. And out of instinct, I duck and rush, trying to escape bullets that won't ever come. And then suddenly, all the tickets on the train are free, and we pass through the station with only our lives as currency. I think of a Twilight Zone episode when an alien said, people are the same everywhere. And I agree, because in Paris and New Orleans, violence packs its bags, but never takes a vacation. So perhaps that episode was right. The defenseless are still defenseless, no matter where you go. This poem is called To Comfort You. I want to whisper things to you while you are sleeping, catch you in that quiet world beneath starlight and dawn. With my hand in the crook of your arm, I'll come as close as I can get in, ask you why in the museum today you saw your father in every glassed print or as a phantom in paintings. And how even though we are in Paris, all you can think of, dream of is mid-city. And the art on your walls, how you hope the storm won't claim them. Not your house, not your bike, not your books, but your art. The only thing that your father left pure. In the Art Nouveau exhibit, I stand in an ornate mirror and say, I want one just like this. And you knot your scarred arm and mine and say that the only thing I'll inherit is a beautiful old looking glass and there's no one I want to see reflected in it but you. So here in the darkness, as I sit buttering my black body in coconut oil, I wait for my eyes to adjust. And when they do, watch your body slip in and out of covers and dreams, I want to ask you as you sleep to just call the old man, even though you won't, even though you can't, because your dreams of him, watching you run through a field of dandelions when you were a boy, is all the art you need to comfort you. Um, this is the last Paris poem that I will read. <laughs> In Musée d'Orsay, I wander among the work of birth, see her paintings of maids bent over to wash linens, and a self-portrait of the artist, clad in brown and looking incredibly stern. But downstairs, hidden in a corner underneath the shadow of a golden clock, an exhibit devoted to black models of the past, The mistress of a poet, Jean Duval, high yellow and in recline, and just past her. A painting of Ira Aldridge, the first actual black person to play Othello on stage. Still proud of that fact. Even though the portrait shows him weighed down by shackles and chains, still he glances up towards the sun, And I think of the moment he recited Shakespeare to the crowd and Alexander Dumas stood up and exclaimed, I am a Negro too. And I whisper the words written on the wall, I am a Negro too. As I stand hidden in a crowd of people rushing past me to see Olympia, the Manet with the first ever recorded side eye against a white woman captured in a frame. And no one can see me, but Josephine Baker, who somehow looks down at me from an old recording, smiling, lips slicked, dark breast, bared, knees shimmying with so much laughter in her eyes. I look up at her and whisper, sister. I look up at her and whisper, friend. And my boyfriend finds me lost and says, I am so full. Are you ready to go? And I look at him ravenous because I will never be filled and I refuse to clear my plate. Here's a poem I wrote in Berlin that I call White Girls. (laughs) The night I arrived in Berlin, I took one of your books to bed with me, White Girls, a subject I know almost everything and nothing about. And though I'm here alone, I hear them downstairs, clinking glasses in the kitchen, laughing high pitched and free, talking about Jason, his parents upstate, the proposal, and that job at the startup. I don't care what anyone says one of them croons to a flute of champagne. I know it's wrong, but I want to be a lady who lunches. And I listen from far away, still, brown, and shadowy upstairs, wondering and wanting a world beyond this one. I'm going to read two more of my own poems, and then I'd like to end with a poem that I read recently that I really enjoyed and resonated with me. But here are two more of my own. This poem is called Questions. My professor has leaked us a copy of Toy Derricotte's latest book of poetry because she is magic and apparently... Money manipulates bookstores. This light-skinned woman smiling up at me, awash and gray on the cover, wrapped in poetic turtleneck, reminds me of my light-skinned mother. She married a man with deep chocolate skin and had children darker than she would ever be. My mama said, Sky, I wish you'd been born with my grandfather's green eyes. I wonder if your children will have them. Years later, I pick up my white boyfriend from school because he's broken his arm in that reckless way that white people are allowed to break things. He slides into my car with eyes reflecting the sunlight and sees Toy Dericot smiling up at him from the cacophony of books covering the seat. He tells me that he is introducing her at a reading on Thursday night. He has questions. One, how did you get that book? I answer, professorial magic, I suppose. Two, is it toy like toy? Toy like an actual toy? I answer, pronunciation, yes, spelling, no. Three, babe, is she white? I answer, no, she is black like my mama is black, just not as brown as me. This last poem is based on a sculpture by Shalini entitled Perseus with the Head of Medusa. I was inspired by this sculpture in light of the Me Too movement and the current tendency in our culture, I think, to to villainize the victim. And I was reading the story of Medusa and how she was once a, a temple maiden in Athena's temple, but she was raped by Poseidon, and as a result, Athena turned Medusa into the grotesque creature from the story that we know so well. And, uh, of course, eventually Perseus slays her, And I just, uh, I was really struck by the story and the background to it. And also the knowledge that this myth is actually based in Libyan myth. So the way we conceptualize Medusa, or the way she was originally conceptualized, may have actually been as a person of color. So I call this poem, hashtag Medusa was black, y'all. Perseus, hold my dead lips up close to your ear. Let me tell you a secret with my split tongues. Once, long ago, Poseidon held a fistful of my black locks just like this. On the floor of the temple, fingers pulling at my scalp, he inhaled me, my body soft from lavender and holy oil, my robes, Cast off and torn, spilled down over the altar, and even the candles dimmed in respect of my shame, my brown skin somehow paling in the fading light, the last thing I remember before the snakes came, before my body was lost both to the sea and to knowledge, a reflection of myself in the eyes of that cruel God, the imprint of his hands, hot. And red as the sea on my neck, the chill of them first touching my face. And yet I cannot forget the press and dead fish stink of that salty mouth, lips sharp and cold as the jagged rocks of the deep against my collarbones. Picture a girl built pretty and open like a temple only to be destroyed. Be kind. You are looking at ruins further ruined. What I mean to say is that the swift kiss of your sword on my neck is not unfamiliar, Perseus. I have tasted the sharp, quick pain of a man before. So last I'd like to read you... poem that I recently came across in my nonfiction class, one of my classmates. Jackie brought this poem. We all had to bring a poem to class. Um, And it really resonated with me. It it reminded me of another quote that a classmate quoted from a poem called Good Bones by Maggie Smith. Life is short, though I keep this from my children. So I think this poem kind of leans into that. So I really, I really love it. But here it is. It's called Last Love by Rachel McKibbins. To my daughters, I need to say, go with the one who loves you biblically, the one whose love lifts its head to you despite its broken neck, whose body bursts 16 arms electric to carry you, gentle the way old grief is gentle. Love the love that is messy in all it's too much. The body that rides best your body, whose mouth saddles the naked salt of your far-gone hips, whose tongue translates the rock language of all your elegant scars. Go with the one who cries out for his sisters as he chops the winter's wood, whose skin triggers your heart into a heaven of blood waltzes. Go with the one who resembles most your father, not the father you can point out on a map, but the father who is here, is your home, the key to your front door. Know that your first love will only be the first, and the second and third and the fourth will unprepare you for the most important, the blessed, the beast, the last love, which is, of course, the most terrifying kind, Because which of us wants to go with what can murder us? Can pull us out of ourselves until we are no longer sisters or daughters or sword swallowers, but instead women who give and lead and take and want and want and want and want because there is no shame in wanting. And you will hear yourself say, last love. I wish to die so I may come back to you new and never tasted by any other mouth but yours. And I want to be the hands that pull your children out of you and tuck them deep inside myself until they are ready to be the children of such a royal and staggering love or you will say last love. I am old and have spent myself on the courage list. Have wasted too many clocks on less deserving men. So I hurl myself at the throne of you and lie humbly at your feet. Last love, let the day I was born mean my life will end where you end. Let the man behind the church do what he did if it brings me to you. Let the girls in the locker room corner me again if it brings me to you. Let the wrong beds find me if it brings me to you. Let this wild depression throw me beneath its hooves. If it brings me to you, let my father break me again and again. If it brings me to you, last love, I let other men borrow your children. Forgive me. Last love, I vowed my heart to another. Forgive me. Last love, I have let my blind and anxious hands wander into a room and come out empty. Forgive me. Last love, I have cursed the women you loved before me. Forgive me. Last love, I envy your mother's body where you resided first. Forgive me. Last love, I am all that is left. Forgive me. Last love, I did not see you coming. Forgive me. Last love, every day without you was a life I crawled out of. Amen. Last love, you are my last love. Amen. Last love, I am all that is left. Amen. I am all that is left. Thank you.
0: That was New Orleans poet Sky Jackson. Her latest chapbook, A Faster Grave, can be purchased in New Orleans at Antenna Gallery, Paper Machine, Garden District Bookshop, Malvern Books in Austin, Texas, or online at antenna.works. She has an event coming up on Friday, November 22nd, 2019, and she will be featured at the New Orleans Words and Music Literary Festival as part of the late-night literature session, Poets Respond to Gentrification. And that's our show. You've been listening to Figure of Speech, a community poetry and writing program from WRBH. You can tune in every Saturday at 1 p.m. and on Mondays at 9 p.m. for more great New Orleans writing.